I'm bored. Do we hear this statement often? Do we make this statement often? I'm bored. Do we say this? Why do people say this so often? How can we do anything about this feeling? What are the possible ramifications of having this attitude? Well, first and foremost, we should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes human nature when Allah ta'ala says, That human beings are created of haste. What that implies is what? That it's man's nature to want to get things done quickly. I don't like this. It's taking too long. I'm bored. I don't like this. We're very hasty. Allah Ta'ala also says, Allah says, Indeed, mankind was created anxious, and when evil touches him, he becomes impatient. This is our nature. So we, we are, by nature, impatient, hasty, anxious. These are our qualities. Can we do anything about it, though? What can we do about it? Alhamdulillah. ثم الحمد لله the Prophet ﷺ told us وَمَن يَتَصَبَّرْ يُصَبِّرُهُ اللَّهِ وَمَا أُعْطِيَ أَحَدٌ عَطَاءً خَيْرًا وَأَوْسَعْ مِنَ الصَّبْرِ The Prophet ﷺ says as it's reported in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari and whoever exerts patience Allah Ta'ala will make him patient and nobody is given a blessing better or more comprehensive خَيْرًا or أَوْسَعْ neither better nor more comprehensive than what? Then patience. Therefore, what we understand from this is what? Yes, we may have a nature that is impatient, but at the end of the day, you do have the ability to overcome it. You can overcome your base impulses and develop your character into something better. You're not stuck the way you are. Children act on instinct. They chase after immediate pleasure and avoid immediate discomfort without thinking of the long-term goals. That's what it means to be a child. The job of the parent is to switch a child's thinking from impulsive to just jumping after everything that is shiny and exciting and rather turning them into young adults as they grow up to develop an idea of intentionality, being purpose-driven, being more calculated in terms of their long-term goals. As parents, our job is to train the child to think about the ramifications not just on themselves, but upon the people around them. Not just in the immediate present, but also in the future moving forward. That is the goal. However, if we as parents haven't really grown up ourselves, how exactly can we exemplify what we're lacking? I'm sure we're familiar with the expression, with the proverb, that you can't give what you don't have. If you don't have it yourself, how can you offer it to somebody else? So what are some of the results of this impulsive thinking? First and foremost, it can destroy your Islam. There's a very interesting narration in Sunan Abi Dawood, authentic hadith, that is from Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Mu'adh ibn Jabal, anhu, he was teaching and he said something very fascinating. In times after you, soon to come, are going to be trials which wealth is going to be abundant. People will have lots of comfort. Does that sound like us? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. We're quite comfortable. And then he says what? And at that time, 
anybody will be able to take from the Qur'an, whether they are a sincere believer or a hypocrite, male, female, young, old, or slave or free person, either way. Anybody has availability. Does that sound like us? Absolutely. Anybody can go online, grab a few quotes and say, oh, look, I have knowledge of the Qur'an. I memorized a few lines and now I became a sheikh all of a sudden. I grew up the beard a little bit, put on a thobe, boom, just like that. Graduated. This is a very dangerous quality. And then he says what? It might be said by a person what? Why aren't the people following me when I have knowledge of this Qur'an? I know my deen, why don't people care more? So this is the danger. Knowledge being widespread is a good thing, but it can be dangerous when it gets in the hands of certain people who are insincere and they're saying, I, I know this, I know that, I've learned some of this Qur'an, I know some sunnah, I know some deen. Why aren't the people following me? So then what happens? Because of their insincerity, what happens next? They won't follow me until I come up with something different. Until I come up with them some sort of a bid'ah, some sort of perversion, some sort of change, twisting the religion. So he says, Mu'adh bin Jabal, he says what? So be wary, be cautious, watch out for any sort of innovations, perversions, changes to this deen. Why? Because it is indeed misguidance. So what is this hadith telling you? What I understand from this and what I have is a fear that there are many Muslims who are susceptible to this kind of thinking, unfortunately. When people find out that the masjid is offering some classes to fortify the foundations of their Islam, you find that there are two camps, two reactions. Those who are sincere, who say what? They say to themselves, oh, these classes are foundational. So how can I not know it? If it's foundational, I need to know my basics. This is critical. I must attend. And then there are those who are insincere, who say what? This stuff is foundational? These are the basics? Nothing new? So who cares? It's boring. I get bored by the basics. No, it has to be something exciting and new and different, and that's going to attract me. The basics that aren't interested, I'm not interested in. So my question to you all is what camp do you fall into? When it comes to your deen, do you only get excited when it's something new and fresh and different and oh, look at this? Or do you say, no, no, I'm not interested in you know, things that are flashy, the talk of the day, the talk of the town, whatever is trending. I'm much more interested in developing myself day after day, consistently, thoroughly, building up my foundation so my deen is fortified. Which camp do you fall into? Are you the type of Muslim that is coming daily to the masjid, weekly to the masjid, or are you the type that only comes during holiday seasons? Oh, I have work off, so maybe I'll go to the masjid today. Which one is it? Ask yourself. We can learn a lot from the story of Nuh and his people, because they exemplify in one, in one regard, absolutely you can see the two camps and the two attitudes. Qawm Nuh the people of Nuh what were they like? They were the first to introduce shirk to the world. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, In Surah Nuh, Allah Ta'ala talks about how they were telling their people, don't leave, never leave your gods, never leave, leave your deities, don't leave off waddan su'a and yahuth wa yaruq wa nasr, these five different names. We know that Ibn Abbas, he explains, who, what, who are these names? Who are these people? Asma'u rijalin salihin min qawmi nuh. These used to be righteous men who, who used to worship Allah a lot. They were righteous people who worshipped Allah alone. But then they got old and passed away, and then shaitan came to them and inspired them and said, hey, you know what you should do? 
Remember these righteous people? In order to remind you about Allah and remind you about how good they were as examples, you need to build some sort of a statue, some sort of a monument, something to remember these righteous people. And then they said, that's a good idea. So they started building, and then slowly but surely, he said, well, aren't these people close to Allah? Aren't they righteous? They passed away, now they're close to Allah. You need to ask Allah to go through them. Make dua and ask them that Allah Ta'ala will forgive you. You know, try to use this shortcut, the fast track. What was the idea here? I'm bored of working on myself, praying regularly, giving charity. I'm bored of the monotonous work of trying to self-improve. It's too tedious and difficult to work on myself every day, waking up for Fajr every day, giving da'wah, calling others to Islam, trying to overcome my weaknesses, my addictions, chipping away and making myself better every day. I don't like this. No, no, where's the fast track? Oh, I can go through somebody else? So this is how shaitan plays with us. When you say, I'm bored of the long haul, this is how shaitan plays with you. The first thing he wants to mess with you is what? Your deen, your iman, by making you call upon other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how shirk gets introduced into humanity. People get tired of working on themselves, so instead they call upon, they pray through these so-called shortcuts or fast tracks, somebody who's righteous, who's supposed to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala describes this. That they say, and those who have, Allah says, and those who take protectors besides Allah, but besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do they say? We only worship them that they may bring us nearer to Allah in position. We're not really doing shirk. We only pray to them and call to them and worship them. What? So they bring us closer to Allah. This is the game of shaitan. Now, that's on one side. Let's look at Nuh on the other side. Look at the incredible example of Nuh And I want you to remember that it's very easy and cheap for any one of us to say, I want to follow my Nabi, Nuh Anybody can say those words. Anybody can say, I'm a follower of Nuh Yeah, yeah, sure. You can say it. What do your actions dictate? Words are cheap. Actions speak volumes. So, let's take a look at the example of Nuh He gave da'wah and called people to Islam for 950 years. That is very difficult, long, arduous work every single day calling to the same message. Oh my people, worship Allah. Fear Allah. Remember Allah. Bow down to Allah, repent to Allah every single day. Tawheed, Tawheed, same message. Oneness of Allah, always reminding the people. Day after 950 years, every day, repeating the same message. SubhanAllah. Yes, he may have changed you know, certain aspects. He mentions, it's mentioned in Surah, uh, uh, in Surah Nuh that he makes dua and says, Yeah, Allah, I tried to call them during the day and during the night. I tried to call them in public, I tried to call them in pri- private. I tried to make a little bit of you know, adjustments where I could in terms of style but never in terms of sub- substance. Obviously, the substance has to be 100% the same. I'll call them privately, publicly. I'll try, you know, maybe a guy's in a good time, a bad time, whatever the case is. In good times, who should you be grateful to? In bad times, who should you turn to? So he's describing how he's trying a little bit of variety, but when it comes to the message, we know there's no variety. Oneness of Allah, over and over again, persistence, consistently trying to chip away at the evils of shirk and trying to what? Save humanity spiritually. And when they failed to accept their prophet, when they failed, he never failed. When they failed to accept the truth, he was commissioned with another job, which was what? Build a ship. If you can't save these disbelievers spiritually, then at least save humanity physically. Build the boat that's going to save them from the flood. Do you think that was quick and easy? Again, what is the message? What are we learning here? Every day, chipping away at this job. Can you imagine hours upon hours 
turning into days, to weeks, to months, to years, every day, manual labor, working on what? This boat. Why? To save humanity. What is, what is the lesson here? Most of us, if we get asked by the masjid, do you think you can volunteer? Do you think you'd spend even a few minutes? Oh, brother, I'm a very busy person, a half an hour max. What do you need me to do? Can you do a little bit of manual labor, maybe some cleaning up? Oh, brother, I've studied a long time. I'm a very important person. I think I'm above doing any sort of manual labor. Let's be honest. Most of us would see ourselves as above grabbing a broom and a dustpan, right? Even for 10 minutes, it would be like, this is beneath me. Just take a second to appreciate that Nuh our prophet, 950 years giving da'wah, trying to spiritually save the people, and then when they rejected, at least save the believers physically. From what? From the flood. After how long of working to develop this ship, subhanAllah. The patience, the sincerity, the consistency. Not being attracted to what's new and flashy. No, just chipping away every single day. Look at the difference between the two attitudes. And ask yourself, which side am I on? Who do I co copy from more? There once was a time where people were afraid of the printing press. They believed that the best way to learn was to become an apprentice and to have a mentor and to live with that person for many years and to take from their knowledge and from their wisdom. And they feared that if books became super popular through the printing press, then books would become a shortcut that people would use to read many different facts. Oh, I've collected a bunch of factoids, little, little facts. And then they would deceive themselves into thinking that they now have knowledge when they should have been with a mentor the whole time. Nowadays, subhanAllah, the bar is way lower. Nowadays, we would be delighted if people read books. Nowadays, we're dealing with a different fitna. People think they have knowledge. Why? Because they watched a 30-second clip online and they said, oh, now I'm an expert on the, on the matter. Look at how the standards are changing. So yes, this attitude of I'm bored, I want instant gratification, I want something quick, this can deteriorate your deen. Falling into shirk, which is the worst, falling into bid'ah. But what else can it deteriorate? It can deteriorate your body as well. I've heard many people say, I find exercise boring. You know, lifting weights, running, exercise. I find this stuff boring. I like to play sports. You know what? I understand, and I agree with you. It is fun to play sports. It's more competitive. It is more engaging. I agree. So I understand what the sentiment. But I've also noticed that people who relegate their exercise to sports only tend to be much more out of shape. Why is that the case? Because their exercise, their exercise schedule is subject to the cancellation of others. You can't depend upon others for something as important as your health. You're going to lack consistency. So what's the point here? What's the lesson? Not everything has to be entertaining. Not everything has to be fun. Not every halaqa you go to has to be either making me laugh or making me cry. Not every exercise has to be the most incredible game of your life and oh, the match was head to head. And Sometimes you have to just read. Sometimes you just have to run. Sometimes you just, you see the consistency, what I'm saying? It's not about the fad of the day. Oh, they, I heard this new trend of uh, this diet or whatever. Look, conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom works the best. What's conventional wisdom? Eat less, eat healthy, move. You'll be healthier. What's conventional wisdom with your deen? Come to the masjid, pray your salawat. Read some books, memorize Qur'an, learn some Arabic. Basics, foundational. This is the difference. What about in terms of your wealth? It's extremely relevant nowadays. Why? Because society is pushing us, to, uh, pushing us in a certain direction, saying, listen, you've worked all year. You've worked really hard. Now it's the end of the year, and now during these holidays, this holiday season, you have time off. Now's the time to spend on all the deals. Advertisements everywhere you go. Spend, spend, spend. Spend money you don't have on things you don't need. Why? Because this is the false promise of materialism. 
instant gratification. I'm bored with my life. I know if I just buy this product, that will be a quick path to happiness. And I'll just feel satisfied immediately. Wrong. We're not supposed to fall for this nonsense. We as believers are supposed to be setting the example and showing people that, listen, this is not going to give you happiness. I'm not against buying nice gifts for people, being generous and sharing with others. I'm simply saying, don't be caught up in the materialistic, the false promises, this, 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 this wave of, uh, of, the, of the times that we're in, of these, uh, of these holiday season where you have to spend, you have to be there, these deals that, look, buy what you want, buy what you need, be generous to others. But don't just be a consumer. Don't just, you know, be a spender who buys things that are flashy, exciting, and then become bored with it five minutes later. This attitude of saying, I'm bored, can also not just affect your deen, not just affect your body, not just affect your wealth, but can also affect your marriage as well. Husbands, whether you like it or not, and whether your family admits it or not, you set the bar, you are the standard at home. You are the man of the household. If you lose your competitive nature, if you aren't working on yourself every single day, what do you think happens? As somebody who deals with marital counseling, please allow me to share with you some of my experience. You might find it a little bit offensive. If you don't like what I'm saying, you can reject it, no problem. You don't have to be upset. You can say, I don't think he's right. Fine. But just maybe, just consider it. Maybe, maybe I have a point. We'll see. I want you to imagine a wife looking at herself in the mirror, frustrated with herself, and she's frustrated because she hasn't maintained the standards that she used to have before marriage. Why is that the case? Because she married a husband who has perhaps become extremely complacent mentally. He doesn't read books. He'd rather just come home after work, sit down, watch television shows. Physically, doesn't want to exercise, just wants to sit, eat junk food. Spiritually, doesn't want to come to the masjid, doesn't want to take classes, doesn't want to learn his deen, doesn't want to improve in his deen, doesn't want to memorize Qur'an, just, you know, only maybe on Eid or something like this. Maybe when there's holidays and it comes for Jummah, that's it. Financially, just complacent, you know, not trying to improve himself, whatever the case is. It could be in many different regards. She looks at herself and says, subhanAllah, I used to have higher standards. Physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, financially, whatever the case is, whatever category you want, I used to have higher standards. I married this person and now I can feel his effect rubbing off on me. She starts developing the sense of self-loathing and that self-loathing turns towards you, gets redirected towards resentment and frustration. Why are you having this negative effect on me? What do you think happens next? Do you think that she will explain that your low standards as a husband have been taking their toll on her for years? Do you think that she will explain that your complacency has rubbed off on her and now she hates the person she sees in the mirror and she blames you? Probably not. Do you know why? Because most people, male, female, most human beings have a very hard time articulating what they're feeling, especially if those feelings have developed very slowly over the span of many years. It's very hard to articulate clearly exactly what they're feeling. So what do you deal with instead? Perhaps it's the case that you just get these small bursts of frustration. To you, they seem inexplicable. Where is this attitude coming from? Why are you so upset? Allow me to translate. Allow me to explain based on the experience that I have. What little experience I have. This could possibly be the source. What am I trying to tell you? You've lost your edge. You've lost your competitive spirit. 
you're no longer working on yourself. You put down the books, picked up the junk food, put down the weights, stopped coming to the masjid, and now she's looking at herself, feeling weaker, feeling like less of a person, and even worse, wondering, is this man a good example for the kids? So yes, I'm bored. Complacency. It can be extremely detrimental to your deen, to your body, to your wealth, and even to your family. You need to be working on yourself every single day, like Nuh every day chipping away and improving and working. That is what it means to be a follower of Nuh That's what it means when you read the Qur'an to take this example. The Prophet used to make this dua during his prayers. Allahumma inni as'aluka thabat fil amr. Oh Allah, I ask you for steadfastness in my affairs. I want to be thabat, I want to be consistent, strong. rushdi. And I want to have determination in following the right path. And I ask you, O oh Allah, for gratitude in my blessings. And I, want, I ask you to do the best of worship. And I ask you for a sound heart and a truthful tongue. And I ask you for the best of what you know. And I ask you and I take refuge in you from the worst of what you know. And I ask your forgiveness for what you know as well. I remember my grandfather, when I was young, he used to say, never say I'm bored. He said, never say I'm bored. Because verbalizing that complaint implies what? That you're expecting others to do something about it. As if the, the world owes you entertainment. What are you, some king? I'm bored, entertain me people. What is this? If you're bored, then think about the solution. That's, your, that's on you. It's your job to figure out what to do next, not just announce like some royalty, I'm bored. This attitude is unhealthy. Allah Ta'ala describes the people of understanding, ulul al-bab, by saying what? الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَىٰ جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ They are those who remember Allah while standing and sitting and lying on their sides and they give thought to the creation of the heavens and the earth. There's a beautiful ayah saying what? That the believer, the people of understanding, they're people of thought. They're never bored. It doesn't matter if I'm standing, sitting, or lying down. I have deep thoughts to engage in. I'm not just sitting around thinking, why doesn't the world entertain me? This is a very sick attitude. So we ask Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, make us people of deep thought. Ya Allah, make us consistent in building the foundations of our faith and our health and our intelligence. Ya Allah, protect us from uh, materialism and overconsumption during these days of wasteful spending. Ya Allah, help us to follow the example of Nuh to save humanity through daily work, chipping away every day at something greater than ourselves. Ya Allah, allow us to be good examples and to set a high standard for our families. And Ya Allah, protect us from shirk and bid'ah and any other so-called shortcuts in our deen. Amin ya Rabbil